Well, look at that. So sometimes we have technical difficulties. Hey, I trust that you didn't hear anything I just said. So let me start again. Uh, I trust that you have a sense of expectation about being together like we do. And I want to encourage you with that sense of expectation. We are so excited to gather together soon. We don't know exactly when that will be, but we're planning on it. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Would you gather in your homes? Would you take the opportunity to do what we can do, which is to gather together in groups of 10. Think about what it would be like to have somebody in your home gathered with you worshiping the Lord. Maybe take a midweek time to be together to pray and to see one another. Human contact is so important, and we have opportunities right now that we can take advantage of. But we also want to let you know as a staff and as a church, we are monitoring the situation. We're planning. We got everything ready to go as quickly as we can. We've transitioned into the sanctuary. Obviously, we have a little bit of technical difficulties. That was my fault. Just now, I thought my microphone was on. But as we do that, get, get ready to come together but do what you can right now. Don't wait until we can gather in a larger group, but let's gather in small groups now and see the presence of God invade our place. Hey, listen, I love gifts, all kinds of gifts, and that's not a, uh, a setup for Father's Day that's coming, wink, wink, but what I'm saying is I like gifts of all kinds, but what really blesses me are useful gifts because gifts is not my love language. Words of affirmation are my love language. Physical touch are my love language, and, but gifts that are useful are always welcome. And one of my favorite gifts of all time is this watch right here. This watch was given to me by my wife, and what makes it so incredibly special to me, so incredibly useful to me, is just how useful it is. That's why I love it. It's great for camping. I took the interns on an end-of-year camping trip, and normally I have a watch that you can see when you press a button or when you shine a light on it, it glows. This watch is made so it glows all the time. In fact, they said it's going to glow for 20 years nonstop. And when you're in the pitch black and you want to know what time it is, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're cold, and you want to know how many more hours till I get sunlight and warmth, being able to look at your watch and not have to fumble for anything else or touch buttons, just look, is so useful. It's great for showering because it's got a, a strap that doesn't get wet. It's, it's made out of uh, silicone. It's great for swimming because it's waterproof. It, it, it's great for uh, just the security of knowing I have this watch and it's not going anywhere and it's not going to hurt uh, get hurt by almost anything that I put it through. It's a useful gift. My life, because my wife gave this to me, is better because of this gift. I want to talk about gifts this morning, but I want to talk about the ultimate gift because here's the th- truth. God our Father is a gift giver. Your Heavenly Father gives good gifts. It's actually in his nature. If you turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, here's what Jesus had to say. He was talking to people and he was talking about gifts and he said this, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? See, when we ask God for gifts, he gives us good gifts. Because it's in his nature, we never receive a bad gift. Now, maybe some of you have received a bad gift in the past. I wouldn't encourage you to share that right now with your family or the people you're gathered with, but maybe you could share a good gift that you received, something that was powerful in your life. Here's the thing. God is good at giving gifts. He never wonders, hey, what needs to be on the Christmas list? He never wonders, hey, I want to give something to Josh's life. What would make him uh, 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 be blessed in the most excellent way? God is the ultimate gift giver, and the gifts are always good. And here's the truth. He will not give you bad gifts when you ask him. We're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit today. We're going to talk about how God is so generous with that gift. But here's what I want you to know. As we ask him for, for gifts He will never give us bad gifts. In fact, Scripture says, Jesus highlights, he gives good gifts to those who ask him. And so if you have no other takeaway from from the word this morning, here's what I want you to position your heart to do. Position your life to do and actually put into practice. 
ask him for gifts. Ask, 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 and keep on asking. In fact, this gift that, that, that God promises to give us, these good gifts, has a name, and it's, it's quoted in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It's a, another quote of what we just read in Matthew, and here's what Luke tells us, and he gives us a little bit more definition. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What we're talking about this morning, when we talk about the gift that the Father wants to give through Jesus, we need to understand the Holy Spirit is his name. This gift has a name. It's not a force. It's not a Jedi mind trick. It's not just an addition to your life. It's not a little bit extra for some crazy people that like to raise their hands and hoot and holler and give that experience a name. When God talks about giving good gifts, when Jesus says the Father will give good gifts to those who ask him, he's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. The third part of the Trinity, God, Holy Spirit with a name. It's not just something nice to add to your Christian experience. It's an essential part of our walk with God. Often the Holy Spirit in many circles, even sometimes even in Pentecostal and charismatic circles, gets downplayed. He, he's confusing or it gets weird or he's, he's talked about as something that you know, kind of hovers around or if we have a, a service with a lot of loud singing or extra singing, we say, hey, the Holy Spirit really moved. But what we need to understand is that this, this part, this gift is central to our lives. I'd argue that he is central to the gospel. We cannot understand the gospel of Jesus Christ apart from the Spirit of God. And in fact, he's not only central to us understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he's central to God's plan for the kingdom and for his church. Jesus put it this way. In John chapter 16, verse 7 through 15, he says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. The advocate that he's talking about here is the the Greek word paraclete. It's helper, it's comforter, it's advocate, it's lawyer. It's the one who will lead us into truth. So when Jesus is saying, listen, the very best gift you can get is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the presence of God in Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it was better for him to leave the earth so that the Father could send the Holy Spirit. Jesus puts a a square focus on this next step for God's plan. The power and presence of Jesus now is much more widespread in his followers than if he had stayed. Jesus said this is the best way. This is the best plan. I know that many of us have plans for our lives. Many of us have plans for our lives that have been upended completely by this global pandemic. Many of us have plans for the summer that we've already wanted to start, plans for vacation and time away, plans to be with family. We've had plans at the church to celebrate our 40th anniversary. We've had plans to gather together for different things, and we've had to adjust those plans. Here's what Jesus says. He says his ultimate plan, the plan that he is working on, the plan that is best for you and me, the plan that he understands in any time, in any place, with the launch and the inauguration of his kingdom through his death and resurrection, is that he would ascend to the Father so that he could send the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about this, this is not an add-on. This is, in fact, the central focus to the movement of the church, to the movement of the kingdom, is that Jesus would leave and he would send the Holy Spirit to dwell within each believer's heart and life so that we could experience the fullness of God so that you and I could be called the temple of God, so we could have the inhabitation of God with us. 
It was the ultimate fulfillment of a prophetic promise that he would be with us always. And my prayer for you and I this morning, for the church this morning, for the church in this region and the church in our nation and the church in the world is that we would experience the truth and the reality of that prophetic statement that Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That we would see not just uh, theologically that we believe it or that we sort of give a mental assent to it or yes, we believe that there are times when we would experience that, but that you and I, the people of God, would be so filled with the Spirit of God that we would sense the presence of God right with us, very much with us right now, wherever we are. Not just as we gather in large groups, not just as we gather even in homes, but wherever we go, we would experience the manifest presence of God in the Holy Spirit. It's because the best things come to those who wait. In fact, this gift is worth waiting on. I know many of us are waiting to be allowed to meet together in large groups. Many of us are waiting to be able to go to a restaurant and sit down and order a meal and be waited on and experience that with our family. Many of us are waiting for things to change in our lives. But here's what Jesus said, the thing ultimately worth waiting for, because those things are great, and I know that that we can hardly wait for those, but Jesus said the thing most worth waiting for is the power and the presence, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he said this in Acts chapter one, verse four. We read this at the beginning of our service this morning, but I wanna read it again. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. In other words, Jesus is with his disciples. He's experiencing a meal with them. He has the power and the privilege of access to their hearts, and they have the power and privilege to the access to the heart and to the presence of Jesus, God with them. But here's what he says. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. None of us like to wait for good things. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I couldn't wait for Christmas to land. I couldn't wait for my birthday. I couldn't wait for school to start and then later for school to end. There were all these things to anticipate in my life. I couldn't wait to be married. I couldn't wait to have kids. There's there's these things in our lives that are so full of uh, experience and full of joy and full of power that we can't wait for. But Jesus said the ultimate thing that is worth waiting on is is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, in fact, don't leave Jerusalem. Now what does that mean for you and me? That means that we should be willing to seek after. See, oftentimes when, we, when we're in waiting, we're just waiting for somebody else to do something for us. But what we do here is we wait on God. We wait with expectation. And my, my encouragement to you this morning is that you wait on God. And in waiting, you pursue. You ask and you ask and you ask. And you wait until he fills you with his overflowing presence in your pursuit. Because I believe that God is able and willing to do that when the people of God are are expectant of the move of God, of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will see results. Let's pursue him and let's wait on him daily and moment by moment. Part of the value of the presence of God, of this gift of the presence of the Holy Spirit is the effectiveness of that presence in our lives because God doesn't just give good gifts he gives useful gifts. In John chapter 16, 8 through 15, we have a record of Jesus speaking to the, what he had just said that we read in Acts. The Father will pour out the Spirit 
the gift of the Holy Spirit that I spoke to you about before. Here we have record of Jesus speaking about the work that the Holy Spirit is about to do. It starts in verse eight, it says this, and when he comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Verse nine, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has also been judged. Now sometimes when we read this uh, scripture, we, we get a little bit scared. Like we're hearing about conviction of sin and conviction of righteousness and coming judgment. And those things could be filled with dread, especially for those who are far apart from God. But here's the great news that's in that verse. The Holy Spirit... God, the Holy Spirit, is here and he's actively working in the hearts of believers and in unbelievers to bring us to a conviction that we can know Jesus Christ. Look at it this way. He's here to convict the world of sin because they refuse to believe in me. What does that mean? It means when we don't know that we need a savior, we are willing to go our own way. But the work of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, is to convict the world who refuses to believe in him that there is a God that is worth believing in. That is good. Good news. He is actively working in the world today. He is also convincing the world of God's righteousness, the righteousness of God that Scripture says is available because Jesus goes to the Father. That is also good news. See, sometimes when I'm convicted of righteousness or unrighteousness in my life, it causes me to want to shrink away from God. But what this Scripture is saying, what Jesus is highlighting is this, that righteousness is available to you and me, not because of what we do, not because we work hard, but the Holy Spirit convinces us that a righteousness of God is available because of what Jesus did for us. And also he is uh, convincing or convicting the world of the coming judgment. What is he saying? First of all, Jesus says this, understand the ruler of this world has already been judged. What does that mean? That means we operate from a place of victory. Jesus Christ has already said what needs to be said. He's already accomplished what needs to be accomplished. He's already made a judgment call. And the judgment call he has made is this, that that judgment is for the ruler of this world. That the kingdoms of this world have already been judged by our king and have been found wanting, but his kingdom is pushing forward. His kingdom is advancing. The, The strength of the kingdoms of this world are crumbling because of the judgment and the word of God to the strength of the kingdoms of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that he is coming to fulfill. We will see his kingdom moving forward in the present, but there is coming a time that he will return and there will be a final judgment. And that you and I can stand on the side of Jesus Christ. We don't say, hey Jesus, would you come and be on our side? He is coming to us and saying, will you stand with me? And in those moments, we have an opportunity to come alongside the one who has already ruled and is reigning over the earth. And we can walk with him now. We can also expect that he will come and he will set things right. That is good news. And it's encouragement to the people of God as we walk through the earth and we see things happening all around us that look like destruction. And there's even more usefulness to this gift, to this presence, to the power of the Holy Spirit himself in our lives. He said, there's so much more, Jesus said, that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. What does that mean? As we are able to handle, the Holy Spirit tells us what we need to know. We can trust him that he's revealing truth after truth. Do you ever find out the truth of something that really bothered you? And you're like, I don't know how to deal with it now that I know this truth. My whole world has been changed. What Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth as we need to know it. We can trust him to lead us into truth. 
And he will not speak on his own. He will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives about me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. He will bring us truth. He'll speak the words of Jesus. He will tell us about what is coming in our specific future and in the future of the earth. He will talk about and prepare the people of God for the kingdom of God to come more and more into our lives. He'll give us that revelation that we need to walk into kingdom purposes. And he will ultimately bring Jesus glory by sharing Jesus' message. When he comes and manifests in our lives, when he comes and dwells among us, when he comes and he fills us to overflowing, he fills us with a message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that brings glory to him as it spreads throughout the world by the Spirit of God. This is all really good, but it's true that it's not just a great gift, it's a powerful gift. It's a useful gift, but it's an extremely powerful gift. Acts 1.8, we read this at the beginning of our service this morning, also says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. The scripture here, that word power is the word dunamis. It's where we get the idea of dynamite. What Jesus is saying is this. When we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling and overflowing presence of God, Holy Spirit, in our lives as he walks with us and fills us and it uh, comes to us. It's not just an indwelling, it's an explosion out of us. God has given us the explosive power of the Holy Spirit to see his kingdom come because it's a breakout gift. What does that look like? In Acts chapter two, we have a record of what this looks like. I'm not gonna read the verses this morning, but you can start in verse one and read all the way through into verse four. Read the whole chapter if you want to see what the explosive power of the kingdom looks like. But here's the setup. The people of God have been waiting for the Holy Spirit. Jesus appeared to about 500 people, scripture tells us, after he rose from the dead. But the believers who were gathered in this place at this time were about 120. What does that mean? That means there were people who were willing to listen and wait upon the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the gift of the Holy Spirit came, it took a group that was cowering in fear and waiting and and anticipating the judgment of the world. It took them and it exploded in them and through them to bring the gospel message all around the world. And here's what happened. In this context, in this account, we see that everyone that was there received. When the Spirit of God comes, it's a breakout gift, not for a few, not for the select anointed ones. It's a, he is a breakout gift for every person that is willing to wait on him. Everyone participated, meaning everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone was giving testimony of who God was. Everyone was filled with words that they had never heard before, never learned. They were speaking languages that they never heard or learned before so that they could praise God as God gave them, as the Holy Spirit gave them the words to say. And they were words that many people from gathered all around the world could understand. They heard the praises of God in their own language. The people of God all participated When Holy Spirit comes and fills the people of God, it's a good gift for everyone to use, for everyone to be empowered by, to carry the gospel message, to declare the praises of God. And not only did everyone participate who was there, who were believers waiting on it, but everyone heard. 
There were people from all over the world that heard the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, not only were it just believers who heard the good news, but there were people that were in opposition to the kingdom of God who heard the good news as well. And so Peter stood up in front of thousands and gave a gospel message, talked about who Jesus was, and he explained what the Holy Spirit was doing because people were confused. They thought that the people who were experiencing this breakout of the Holy Spirit were drunk because there was evidence of it. Scripture says that were tongues of fire, there was a, a, a mighty sound like a windstorm. And the people started, started shouting and, and praising God in these languages. And everybody was hearing this. And everyone was amazed at what it was doing. And everyone who was a part, whether they were experiencing the presence of God or just watching it happen, saw something happen that needed explanation. And so Peter stands up. And he starts to preach to the crowd. This man who was afraid to share his gospel, his good news of Jesus Christ with a young girl, just days, 50 days before, was now standing in front of thousands and declaring. And he gave an explanation. And he took the people to the prophet Joel. And he said, I want you to make no mistake about this. In verse 16, he says, No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Then he starts to quote the prophet. He says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. Peter's saying, listen, this isn't just a new thing. This is what the prophets of old have said. See, God's plans and purposes were fulfilled in Jesus, but even before Jesus came, God was prophesying that there would come a day when he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. That it wouldn't be reserved for prophets, for priests, or for kings, or for songwriters, or for the servants in the house of the Lord. This was a gift that was for every believer, a gift for all. And here's why it's needed. There's a couple verses after that that most people, when they're reading this, don't always quote. Verse 19, it says this, I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's where it gets real to you and me. We are living in a time of chaos. When God comes and pours out his spirit, he doesn't do it in a vacuum. He does it in a place throughout time when humans are going through turmoil. And when it matters most, when things start going crazy all around us, like they've been going crazy all over our country in Minneapolis and in Buffalo, not just in terms of the, the violence and the, 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 the anger and the need for justice that's been expressed, but even in terms of a pandemic, people wondering where they fit, where they should be, what they should be doing. In those times of distress, when we don't have what we normally have, when things are not normally going like we should and we would be shaken, we would be afraid. That's the time that Jesus says, that the prophet Joel says, 
that we should expect the power of God to be poured out in our lives because what does it do? It fills the people of God with the presence of God to be the answer to move the kingdom forward even in times of instability, even in times of violence, even in times when nature seems to be wrestling with the people of God or with the earth. God is pouring out his spirit. We have never needed the manifest presence of of God in the Holy Spirit than ever before, than right now. I don't know about you, but we, I, I would say that if it were not for the Spirit of God, this would be a time where I would want to just put my head in a hole and sink, shrink back and say, let's just let everything happen around me and I'll just hold on and wait for Jesus. But that is not what Jesus calls us to. That is not what the Holy Spirit does for us. He comes and he fills his people with his presence and he empowers us to take the kingdom further than we've ever taken it before, especially in the midst of times of crisis and of upheaval and even violence around us. So here's the question that I have for you and me. Whether you have been filled with the Holy Spirit before, whether you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe you've even spoken in tongues, my question is, no matter where you are, filled, never filled, wondering, confused, will you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit this morning? And if you want to receive that gift, will you receive it with expectation by waiting on him? Will you ask him to receive? Listen, we have this thing where many of us experience uh, the idea that we need to be in church or around other believers to receive. But here's what I know. The Spirit of God is not bound by digital space. He's not bound by actual space. He's not bound by the confines, especially of this church. In fact, Holy Spirit's work is to break us out of the confines of our religious understandings, to break us out of the confines of being held back and to release us into the world. And so if you're watching this today, my question for you is, will you ask him to fill you with with his spirit? Will you wait on him until he fills you? I believe that right now there will be people who will be baptized in the Holy Spirit to overflowing with evidence of tongues this morning as you ask the Lord. What does that mean? That means you ask him and you wait on him, and it, as the word says, as the Holy Spirit gives you the words, you just speak them out. Some of you, for the very first time, will speak in languages you've never heard or never learned, and you'll be declaring the praises of God. Trust that as you ask him, he's not giving you some weird gift. He's giving you himself. He is the gift. He is the prize, and he wants to fill us to overflowing, not just so that we experience some religious thing or that we experience just the gift of tongues, but that we will be filled with power to be witnesses The church filled with his power moving forward to see the kingdom advance, to see the gospel go forward, to see the ends of the earth won by witnesses who have experienced God, the Holy Spirit, for themselves. Would you pray with me now with expectation? Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that you have been promised to us by Jesus, that Father, you sent Holy Spirit And Jesus, that you baptize us with fire and with the Holy Spirit. So we come before you now just simply to ask, would you fill us with your spirit like never before? Would we experience a fresh baptism? If we've been filled before, God, we pray that you fill us right now to overflowing that the pray, your praise would be on our lips and in our mouths. God, for those who are even sensing your presence and your power, maybe for the first time, God, that you'd fill them to overflowing, that they would know and be empowered to be your witnesses.
God, that we wouldn't make this about gathering together, but we make this about going out, full of your power, to be witnesses everywhere. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to celebrate communion together this morning. If you would gather the elements where you're at and maybe share them with the people that you're with. We don't do this as a ceremony. We do this because Jesus asked us to do it so that we remember what he did. We'd remember the sacrifice that he made to bring us into relationships so he could move his kingdom forward. Scripture tells us this. Paul wrote, I pass on to you what was also passed on to me, that the Lord himself on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it into pieces. He said, this bread is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and man, an agreement confirmed in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to remember me. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. We're participating in the work of the Spirit, witnessing the fact that he has come and he's coming again. Jesus, we thank you that you did everything necessary to bring us into relationship with you. You made covenant in your blood. You went first. You sealed that covenant with your blood and you gave your body willingly for us. So we thank you for not just these representations, but we thank you for you. We remember your body. We remember your blood. We remember that you gave yourself for us. We remember that you shed your blood so that we could be brought into a place of forgiveness and wholeness and righteousness. And as we do this right now, we commemorate what you did, but we also remember that you are coming again. We invite you to fill us, to overflowing with your spirit, accomplish your kingdom purposes in us as we remember you today. In Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink together. Jake's coming now to close us out. And as he does, I just want to encourage you. Would you bless the people around you? Would you pray for the people around you? Maybe take some time as soon as he's done with closing to lay hands on one another, to wait in expectation, to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit for one another. And I trust that we'll hear testimony of the presence of God invading your space. If you're alone right now, please feel free to comment prayer, please, on the feed, and somebody, one of our pastors, our elders, or our prayer partners will get a hold of you, and we will pray with you. We will pray that the presence of God would invade everywhere you are, that his kingdom would advance. Just know this, we're here for you, we love you. If there's any way that we can serve you, let us know. We're working as hard as we can to get back together live as soon as we can. We thank you for your patience, and we encourage you, do everything you can to see the kingdom of God advance through you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Happy Pentecost Sunday. We love you. Jake.